In this episode, I found some sort of thing online that has a bunch of questions that you can ask people in your family. So out of 117 questions, I let my dad pick a couple and learn some cool things. You're going to like this episode. There's a lot of music, a lot of laughter, and a lot of fun. And as always, thank you for listening. I'll figure a little different configuration out a little later. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So uh, I have one through 117. That's the numbers I have in front of me. Uh, you can pick any of those numbers, and I'll just ask you the corresponding question. Okay. One through 117? One through 117. All right. Let's go to uh, 98. 98, 98, 98, 98. 98 is who has changed your life? Um, who has changed my life? Very interesting, interesting question. I think number one um, would be after I, this is means after I grew up, probably um, your mom. How so? Yeah, your mom. And then by her having the five children, that definitely changed me in a new direction. <laughs> I was running really hard before I met her. And then I slowed up like a freight train coming to a crossing. <laughs> and then I realized that at that crossing, I should just get off this train and decide to stick with one person. So I think uh, I definitely will say that your mom was uh, one of the key factors, uh, her being cool, calm and collect and me being uh, Roger the racer. So um, I, I was, yeah, it's cool. She she definitely slowed me up and helped me appreciate life. And even today, after 30 some years being together, she still helps me to develop myself and find out that um, I need to slow up a little bit more, even as far as business, take more time, do more exercise. I was just talking to a young lady today, one of our clients, and um, her cousin is in the hospital now waiting for a heart transplant. And he's 27 years old. Mm. Crazy, crazy. And he won't get one for maybe um, a couple months. So he may not make it. And when you look at that, 27 years old and, and life has definitely changed for him. So I said, hey, I got to slow up and learn how to appreciate life more, you know. I also got to thinking, um, well, we can talk about that in a minute. I'll, I'll see any more questions you have. I got something else I was going to chat with you about. Oh, we can go into it. I got 117 questions, so we can come back to those questions anytime. Okay. Well, one of the things that I, I was thinking about this as I was coming home, and um, I have a friend of mine. He talks about relentless fathers and uh, how fathers are, you know, very important. And, and this is so very true. And um, I think one of the um, areas that I can think in terms of uh, you guys, I can remember when you were three years old and I bought the first truck up in Minnesota and um, I went on the road for a few weeks and I was out for what, three weeks. And I don't think you understood that. I mm -hmm. didn't sit down. And even though you were three years old, I should have sat down and told you, um, Nate, I'm rolling for a little while. I'll be gone for a little bit. Because when I came back home, I never will forget you were standing in the hall looking and you were just shaking like you were so excited, you know, <laughs> I said, wow, you know, that uh, that did a lot to me. And then I decided I'd just make sure that my runs would bring me home more often. Yeah. I stood staying out two and three weeks. And I think with all you guys, it was it was a lot of fun. And then at uh, Father's, you know, right before Father's Day every year, <laughs> you'd get your little Snoopy bag <laughs> on the truck. We go, you know, everybody, you know. <laughs> The bag and the bucket with the bag in it and uh, yes. the, uh, 
the fruit jars that were big enough to handle whatever you had needed. <laughs> Couldn't stop. So uh, that that I think that that changed me also. A lot of a lot of things in life will change you, but when you look at what really is important, that's what you have to slow up and understand. Uh, material things will come and go, but um, your family won't. When your family yeah. is gone, you you don't have nobody. Yeah, and and you only have that time once. Like you're only oh, yeah. you're only a certain age once. Yeah. So if you miss being that age, then you're done. And like yeah. there's there's these interesting graphs you can find online where people just draw like it's not it's not scientific or 100 percent accurate, but they show graphs of like line graphs of how it is as you get older, where when you start it's your family, like the closeness is like this, but then you all grow up and move to other places. Yeah. So you just separate and like you just you come back every now and then for whatever holidays and stuff. Same with friends where you have a lot of friends when you're younger and you get you know, you separate from them as you get older and, um, yeah. And like family, everybody ages. So. Right. Yeah. And then you take what you got when you got it. You gotta, you gotta take time. And that's Mm -hmm. what I say. Uh, I think one of the things that really messed my head up one time, I was talking to a gentleman out of, uh, uh, Newfoundland, Canada, and he was heading back home and he was so happy. And I said, you know, what are you happy about? He said, well, my daughter's getting married. I said, cool. Congratulations, man. And he mm-hmm. said, yeah, he said, I, I went home last month and chatted with her. And um, she was talking about, she says, hey, dad, I'm getting ready to get married. And I said, well, how do you like her uh, new husband to be? He said, well, I never met him yet. And uh, when she told me she was getting married, I looked at her and I asked her, when did she grow up? I said, you did? <laughs> I was like, wow, that, that was crazy. He said, yeah, I remember her when she was eight years old. I don't remember anything between eight and 23 years old. And uh, when you think about the truckers out there, that's that's really deep. Yeah. A lot of families break up because of that, you know. And only strong people can survive, like your mom. You know, she was very strong. She was able to keep everybody together. And she dealt with me leaving and coming back and rolling. And um, that's that says a lot for a person in their um, fortitude of life, I would imagine, if you can say it like that. Oh, we switched. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. I didn't know you could see that. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I just moved it because I wanted it. It's all good. <laughs> that, I'm sorry. No, no problem. I thought that was I'm my screen. That was changing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that um, I think in a nutshell that that's what that number would mean to me. What's the next one? I mean, I have 117, so it's whichever one you want to go for next. Maybe we'll go to um, number three and see what it says. All right. Number three is, have you had a nickname as an adult? (laughs) Yeah. My nickname is OC. Yeah. Because most people don't know how to say Olander properly. No, I've not met anyone outside of our family who knows how to say Olander. No. Everyone says Olander. I have cousins that call me Oleander. Yeah. I'm not a poisonous plant. No, it's it's like it's Olander or it's o- Olander. Yeah. Like, I don't know why people have to emphasize. It's just Olander. Oh. Like, yeah, I, I was at a place up in D.C. And, and I think um, going to get the uh, a TSA check or something like that, my passport and all. And the lady says your name. And I said, Olander, you know, and she says, O-R-L-A-N-D-O. And I said, no, no, Olander, O-L-A-N-D-E-R. She says, Arlander. I said, no, Olander, you know. She said, well, it's really not a big deal. I said, well, no, not really. I said, what's your name? She said, Gail. I said, well, Barbara, what I need you to do. She said, I told you my name was Gail. I said, well, Gene, um, I'm trying to get this uh, paperwork together. She said, didn't you hear me? 
I said, I heard you clearly, but it's really not a big deal, so I can call you anything. She <laughs> said, how do you spell your name? I says, O-L-A-N-D-E-R, O-L-A-N-D-E-R. She says, okay, Olander, I, I have it right now. I said, well, thank you. And I called her by her name, and I left. <laughs> Sometimes corrections are necessary. I mean, so OC is one that's obvious because it's your first and middle initials. Uh, weren't you um, like <laughs> Kitty Cat at one point, too? Well, that was a, a CB handle. Still yeah, a nickname. The, when, you know, on the road, I think the first handle I had was Mississippi Chicken. That's the first the first that nickname was, you got as an adult? I thought that was pretty unique um, <laughs> because I, I had uh, heard some other ones. Uh, some guys, Easy, Lovin', Panty Snatcher, all that stuff. Really goofy. So I said, well, I'll go with a goofy one, Mississippi Chicken. Because I was pretty much afraid to go through Mississippi because of all the racial stuff. And then the one time I did go to Mississippi, I went into uh, uh, Biloxi. And I had a delivery of ice cream to pick up. And uh, I'm down there hooking the trailer up and a guy said, Hey, hello. And I said, what? And he said, Hello, how was your day? I said, what do you mean? And he said, I'm just speaking to you. I'm just being nice. And I'm saying, Oh yeah, you are. So I realized then, you know, I said, I got to change my handle. So I bought another truck and um, that one had a Detroit motor, but it was a 350 Detroit and 350 Detroit's with oversized injectors um, sounded like caterpillars because caterpillars have a certain whine. And the turbo cranks up and that motor just purrs like a cat. So I was passing a guy in uh, Pendleton, Oregon. And he says, man, he said, that big cat's working a dog up that hill. And I said, it's not a cat. It's a Detroit. He said, no, that's a kitty cat. I know that's a kitty cat. And so when we stopped at the top of the hill, he says, let me look at that motor. He said, well, doggone, it's green. I said, I told you it was a Detroit because the cats are yellow. And then I took the handle kitty cat. Now, later on. People started saying, oh, he must be gay or something. I'm like, no, dude, you're not be gay, but, you know, just, just be a person. You know, but people will try to, try to <laughs> bully you. You can't bully me. I, I knew who I was. Why are you bullying me? Huh? <laughs> Why are you bullying me? <laughs> yeah, really. Crazy, huh? Here, this is the sound of a caterpillar. Oh, yeah. It says a 379 Cat 346E with 7-inch pipe. Loaded pole. It's a Peterbilt 379 Cat 346E with 7-inch pipes. 3406. 3406E mm -hmm. means it's 3406E electrical. 3406M uh, would be mechanical, if I'm, if I'm correct. And because uh, I run a 1693 Caterpillar. 1693s are hot. There was see. a company down in North Carolina called Carolina Western, and that guy paid 11 cents a mile. <laughs> <laughs> he run you to California. You had to go out in 54 and a half hours, and then you had to come back. See that yellow motor? This one. Yeah, that's that's big. Larry up here. Kind of see where. Uh, then. Yeah. Electronic tack set up. This one, for some reason, well, I thought they would start. It, they'd have put the same ceiling. Yeah. Let's see what this is. But, yeah, they you really a big rig. You gotta have one. It has to. Let's see if we can find. Let's see if we can find it. See what it sounds like. Sixteen ninety three. Oh, here's a startup.
KW. Yeah. So Mississippi chicken, kitty uh, cat. And, you know, Daddy and them called me Juno. Juno. Really <clears throat> Excuse me, Lanny Jr. And then yep, uh, Lanny. Yeah, Mississippi chicken and then kitty cat. And pretty much that was all. I did OC I did Mississippi that. chicken, kitty cat, and Juno Lanny Jr. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love I do I do have one more because the company I worked for when I was in high school, uh, they called me Bug. Bug? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, was, I, was, I was 125 pounds, you know, so <laughs> yeah. they gave me the hardest jobs because hey bug, do this. Then they would sit in the office and laugh. <laughs> I didn't care. I was making a dollar sixty-eight an hour. It didn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah. Big money. Do you know what the name Olander means? Um uh, Something of the land. That is the Swedish direct translation. This meaning that I found says that it's the one who is having a quick and penetrating intelligence. Let's see. The one that you're referring to, <coughs> it's recognizing that it's Swedish. So it's ornamental or habitational name composed of the first element of various origins. Yeah. Uh, Ali, which is a Swedish name, Ali. And the suffix ander de derived from Greek anier, which is genitive of andros or man. So Swedish is olander. Uh, it means someone from the island of Oland. So uh, let's see. Yeah, from a, from the land, essentially. Cool. It. Yeah. O is yeah, island and lander is land. Yeah. Island I man. Like yeah, I like to ask people what their names mean, and most people don't know. <laughs> I know what mine means. What's yours mean? Gift from God. Yeah, there you go. And, and then my and Elijah means God's gift to man. Yeah, well, I think when we um named you Nathaniel, Elijah, mm -hmm. Cyrus, Fleming, I wanted to go with Elijah from the Bible and um Cyrus from the wheat combine uh McCormick. Yeah. The inventor of the wheat combine. So mm -hmm. we wanted to give you a name heavy enough to where you would have to live up to it. Well, I'm doing a great job of not yet so far, but, you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't want to give you a name like Bonquishi. Look, I could have lived out to Bonquishi real easily. That would have been nice. <laughs> a lot a lot easier, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's 3 and 98. Mm. You want any more? Want any more? Toss more away. Let's see. Let's go to number 55. 55. How did you find out you were going to be a parent for the first time? Um, I, I'm excited about this because I, I, we've gotten the rundown in the story. We don't have to go into any of that here, but I'm just I'm curious about the headspace you were in, and it doesn't even have to be the first one if you want to do any one of us. But like, what what was your thought when you're like, oh, I'm going to be a dad for the first time? Um, I don't think you really think about that. You think about wow, <laughs> like with Olander, it was the first, and I was like, man, when when mom told me, I was like, wow. And then when we found out it was going to be a boy, it was like, that's cool. Because that's like, I don't know, people think the boys are the number one leader. And that's not really true. It could have been a girl. It would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But um, you look at that, and I think as we progressed along, I think the most surprising was Sam. Because at four, we figured that's cool enough. <laughs> we got a minivan. You know, we're pretty full. Uh, and then... Um, Every, every time we would go out to a Mexican restaurant, for some reason, uh, <laughs> we'd get pregnant. So, and it wasn't the margaritas, because we didn't really drink much then. But um, 
Yeah, when she came and she says, I think I'm pregnant again. I says, you can't be. I says, we, we got four. You know, we're already strapped financially with four. <laughs> the way they eat. And she says, no, I, I, I'm pregnant again. And I'm like, wow. So, uh, you know, it, it was cool. And we just took it in stride. A lot of people would look at us and, you know, they would ask us, do you guys have television at home? And I says, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have five kids. We didn't have TV. <laughs> but uh, we didn't get rid of the TV until 2007, which was cool. Oh, yeah. It was, it was all that. Long <clears> after <throat> I was gone. I caused well, the TVs? Why did I cause the TVs leaving? Well, remember the summer? Um, mom, mom asked everybody, what could you do without over the summer? And um, you said, well, let's turn the TV off. And I said, what? <laughs> so that was my pacifier back then. We didn't have Facebook really then. And, I um, don't remember that. Yeah, you were standing there saying, let's you know, stand in front of the TV. And so we kept the TV off all summer. And then in the fall, when it was time to turn the TV back on, we never did. You guys would play around the TV and never turn it on. So we give the TV away. I, I forget who we give it to. One of mom's friends. And well, I mean, the fact that, that happens is funny because I had a TV in my room, so it didn't affect me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I flashed it through myself. <laughs> that was fine. <laughs> yeah. But, Interesting. Uh, yeah, the kids, very, you know, a lot of people freak out. You got folks that have one child and they just freak out. I don't know. I, I can't even handle one. Well, if you can't handle one, it means that you weren't designed for more than one. We yeah, exactly. For, you know, the five. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where were you when you found out about each of us? Um, let's see. For Olander, we was in Richmond. Pretty much everybody was in Richmond. Yeah. Were you at? Were there like specific places that you remember that you were at? No, just, or was just like we had the apartment with Olander. We had the apartment. Um, with you and Courtney, we had the apartment over in the West End, and mm-hmm. then Sam. That was the townhouse, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. was out here in, in the county. And Celia was born out here. You know, we, we lived out here when she was born. But um, now she she was mainly over there in the West End, Henrico. Mm-hmm. Well, the fun days. <laughs> and it just seems like it does whip by so fast. You don't realize it, it does. Anything, you know, you're. Waiting for your kids to have kids. Hint, hint. <laughs> well, you're going to be waiting a while. Uh, Olander's, Olander's holding on the fort real well. He's got almost yeah, he's one got, for each of us. He's done real well, yeah. 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 He's got, he's got he's almost one for each of us. So he don't even have to worry about any of us. That's right. And he's, he's done a fantastic job. He, he, he does it well. He works. He's a hustler. And um, I have uh, all the kudos for him. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good thing this is recorded so Olander can hear how – how proud you are of him, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're immensely proud of him. We're proud of all of you guys. Uh, I think looking at um, Olander with the kids, he's done a fantastic job. Then we swing over to you. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But um, with the fortitude that you've had, um, the blind um, going ahead in your mind when you <laughs> went to um, from, from Florida to L.A. Film School, when you went from L.A. Film School to Second City, you went to Second City with nothing in your pocket. Uh, you said, OK, I'm going up there. And I'm like, Nate, you, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you got to <laughs> you got to have, you know, you got to get things laid back. You got to get your job. You got to have an apartment. And you said, yeah, I'll do all that. And uh, we gave you some gas money to go up mm-hmm. and enough money for food. And I never forget when you called back, you was on the uh, Indiana Turnpike. And you said, uh, you call back and you said, look, dad, there's a lady in front of me. 
that doesn't have enough money for gas. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you don't either, you know, after a while. <laughs> and um, you say, can I, can I give her a gift card? And I said, yeah, and I think you gave her a $25 gift card. And she was able to move forward. And you got up to Chicago. You found a friend where you could roommate with. You mm-hmm. had the apartment. Um, you said, okay, I'm going to go in the second city. I said, well, second city's tough. Those people off of uh, Saturday Night Live and all, they, they, they hustle hard to get in there. Um, you rolled right in. Boom. And then when you left there after a couple of years in Chicago, um, when you moved to Florida, uh, most people would break. You didn't. Most people would break under the pressure of, I'm not just going back home and just try to, you know, maintain. But you you hung in there real well, even when you had that goofiness with the little nut boy down there. Um, you know, <laughs> he, uh, he has his issues and he tried to include you in it. You bumped that away. And now you're, you know, you're positioned and, and things are looking up. And mm-hmm. I think you, you've shown that you just got to keep moving forward. And those are things we've tried to teach you guys. You never, never quit. If you never quit, you don't have to worry about getting stressed out. And then you look at Courtney and um, Courtney made a promise to herself that when she hit a certain age, she was going to have her apartment. Well, Courtney's got her apartment. She's got a you know, decent job and she's rolling. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Cecilia and um, it was tough on her with the financial planning at first. Yeah. And I think that when you guys all came home last year and all your energies were here supporting Cecilia, she went and took that test and she passed it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how um, people's energy can flow over, whether it's negative or positive. And y'all's positive energy flowed over, and Celie went and passed that test. And next thing you know, she wanted to go out west because she loves to hike. You know, me, <laughs> I, I go in the woods, I got to have a 9 millimeter because I got to shoot the bears. <laughs> you, know, you know, I ain't going to go in the woods. I mean, you know, you know they eat people. So uh, Celia, Celia loves it, and she's making a path for herself. And then we have Sam, and Sam is sitting here. His fortitude is so strong, he's focused. Mm-hmm. And when he breaks, you guys got to be ready because he's going to take you along with him. And you do your thing and he'll do his thing and everybody will support each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the family uh, nucleus is, is involved, where, you know, we tried to create things. Your mom did an excellent job of creating leaders. And we mm-hmm. always said we create leaders, not losers. And none of you guys are losers. And that's that's to me is we're millionaires because of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We might not have the money, but <laughs> we're rich in everything else. Even yeah. though, like, we we say we don't have the money, but we always do every time. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it might not come on the timeline we want, but we always do. And, and we have so much more money that we just keep giving it away. You have to. And that's the, that's the key to life. If you can help your neighbor, if you can help a friend, that um, that's 100% what you need to do. Yeah. And we run into so many people that, you know, they're they're ready to turn around or ready to get goofy. And like I say, the one girl up in up in Jersey that time, I'm walking into the rest area after parking the truck. I'm walking into the uh, building and I looked at her and I says, wow, I said, you look like somebody ready to kill yourself. And she stopped and she said, how did you know? I said, well, no, what? <laughs> How'd you know? I just called my mom and I said, if I could find a gun, I'd blow my brains out. I said, you're kidding me. It was the 16th of December. And um, I said, why don't you come on back in? Let's have an ice cream. She said, it's December. Are you crazy? I said, no, you're the crazy one. 
I just want ice cream. You want to kill yourself. Let's go talk. And she had had, she was a truck driver and she was having problems with her dispatch, making advances toward her. And I shared with her, hey, you know, just find an attorney, tell them what you, what your situation is. You don't have to drive a truck rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I often wonder whatever happened to that young lady. But I bade her get on the phone and call her mother and tell her she was not going to kill herself that day. You yeah. Know? But, uh, now it's um, you have to be able to share with people your gifts. And I think that's what that's what we're designed here on Earth for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's like a. If you don't share, like the community aspect is the part of it that you need. Yeah. Well, people tell you, oh, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, see, the village is failing a lot of people right now. I mean, look at these young kids in the street. They're, they're you know, they they think that because I can steal in the store, because I don't have anything, I deserve it. And no, you don't. Get out there and hustle. If you can go steal it, you can go in the store and get a job and bring it out after you paid for it. Do you want to know how to get rid of crime? Oh. You just make sure everybody has their basic needs met. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I understand the sentiment of not stealing and the uh, the village, the idea of the village failing, but I don't I don't think we have a village anymore. I don't think there is a I don't think there's a community that we can get around people and help them. And the one that a lot of people suggest going to church is so corrupt and dangerous to be a part of that you're better off not going into a church. Oh, it's tough. Um, <clears throat> so like there, there's no village for us to lean into, and then basic needs aren't met. And you can work a job. doesn't matter. You're not going to make enough money to live. You're just not. Yeah. So like you, you've got to have something more than a job in order to get through or just be crazy and feel comfortable. So that's yeah. just like – it's how and and it's not that things got more expensive. It's that rich people wanted more. Like well, then you look at the churches. Look at the ministers. Look at the T.D. Jakes. Look at the Noel Jones. Um, look at um, Jesse Duplantis. He's bragging on TV that he has a forty thousand square foot house. They've well, always been that cool. way. They've always been that way. But you that's know, you see those guys. Just like um, we grew up in the, in the in the Pentecostal faith, and 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 back during right after Katrina. You had all these ministers down there in, in um, New Orleans, and they built this lady $85,000 house. They're standing around cutting ribbon and all that neat stuff. And my mom was saying, oh, that's so wonderful what the churches are doing. That, that's nothing. $85,000 house, yet these guys pull up and $300,000 Bentleys. Yep. And you got eight or ten of them to where they should have sold all the Bentleys yep. and built ten houses or a hundred houses. And then go back to your cars later, but you know, do something real instead of trying to just do a promo. And then yeah. you go back to your luxurious 12 to 40,000 square foot house. And to me, that's not, um, to me, it's not Christ-like. It's not the, no, it's not. Not the, the church is a lot. And that's where our village broke down when the, when the people stopped, when we lost our big mamas, nobody wants to be a big mama no more. Well, big mama's scared to sit on the porch anymore. She might get hit by a drive-by. <laughs> well, that and profit is killing everything. If it's not profitable, you can't do Bottom it. Line. Yeah. Like that's ministry, it's churches, it's everything. It's every every single thing you look at. If it doesn't make money, why do it? Which is like we're we're doing this podcast where we're just having a conversation. And yeah, this type of stuff doesn't exist anymore. It just doesn't. Well, we could bring it back. 
and yeah. the way you bring it back is is difficult, but it's possible, but it's difficult. And I've, I've been saying that a lot lately. Like if you're on any type of social media, what was supposed to be used to connect us, it no longer does. It's all ads. It's serving you buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this right. all day long. That's it. You watch TV shows. It's buy this, buy this, buy this. They're not That's good. Cool. It's, it's just yeah, people working a job to make money. It's just bad. Yeah. So. I, I sympathize with the people who are robbing the stores. I sympathize with the people who are doing drive-bys. I understand that they are a human just as much as me and their situation they don't see any other way out of. Yeah. And that's increasing. The amount of people who don't see a way out of the situation is increasing. It's increasing and it's sad. I mean, look at the girl up in, uh, was it Ohio or, or somewhere where she stole the uh, wine out of the Kroger? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, the cops came and the one cop was standing in front of the car. He told her stop. She wouldn't stop. He shot her. He killed her. Now, Over wine? Like, you know, she didn't deserve to die for a bottle of liquor. But yeah. She didn't. And, but, but she tried to run him over. So he has the gun. He can get out the way. Yeah, well, he's not thinking like that at that point. None of them and are. She doesn't deserve to die over a bottle. You know, the design is that anything that runs, you shoot it. The hunting instinct is in the person. Yeah. You know, We're getting deep into other issues at this point because yeah. I, it's a bottle of wine. Let her go. Catch her later. Get her license plate. You can just get That's her later. Let her ride off. Go to her house and it's say, bottle, okay, it's a, bottle of it's a bottle yeah. of wine. You know, it's not worth a person's life. She I may be driving at the police officer. You, the, the issue is we are so conditioned and trained to put the impetus of the problem on the person who has been disadvantaged their whole life instead yeah. of – why can't Kroger make the wine cheaper? Why do police officers, why why are they trained to kill instead of disengage, allow it to happen, and finish it later? Why do they have to kill? Why if the problem is if they make it cheaper, it doesn't make a difference. She's still gonna steal it. <laughs> so. Either way, like the problem isn't her. The problem is everything around her that pushed her to that point. The problem is Kroger is making insane money off of marking up groceries to make their shareholders rich. And yes. so is every company. It game. is not the person stealing one bottle of wine. It's all the corporations stealing the wages out of our pockets. Yeah. So it, there's, I, there's I'm, some validity to that, but at the same time, you know, I, I just, I, I will never think that one person stealing a bottle of wine is anywhere equivalent to the rich fucks who have lined their pockets with wages that have not increased in the past 40 years. True. But their profits have. Like they, you, there's a phone call that you can listen to where a whole bunch of rich people got together and say, yeah, we're raising prices. We're gouging them. No one's really doing anything or yeah. saying anything. We're making yeah. record profits. That's that's an offense that should get the gun. That's where the police officer should go and kill someone. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's evident with the strike now with UAW. You know, everybody wants that big money and mm-hmm. they, we they have money strikes. to give them, but they, they want to hold yes. it for their, their bonuses. The, the writer's strike, the film studios lost billions of dollars. Over $40 million. Yeah. So, Crazy. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's an area where we, we just – we have different thoughts because we're from different generations of how Different generations, and, and, and I was raised different than what we raised you guys. Mm-hmm. We weren't as stern with you guys as my dad. You know, my dad wouldn't um, tolerate – he has zero tolerance for, for craziness. And I, I don't think there should be craziness. But when you don't think you have any option, what are you, you supposed do. to do? Yeah, that's true. 
And and I'm I really want to change the narrative from putting the blame on the person who is doing what they think is the only option they have left compared to the person who consistently steals from people under them wage theft because our wages haven't risen in decades. Yeah. So like we're being stolen from and then blamed for being stolen from. True. So that's that's my thought on it all. There you go. Do you want to do one more number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's do one more Let, number. Let's see. Let's do number five. Number five. All right. This will be the last one. Oh, there we go. What was your parents' and grandparents' religion? My parents um, and grandparents started out Baptist. And then uh, my mom, as a matter of fact, when I was born, my mom was pretty much uh, Baptist. And daddy was um, Baptist. And when I was born, um, I stayed sick all the time. Mm -hmm. And at the age of five, I went into the hospital. And at the age of six, they were going to let me out. So I stayed almost a year. I stayed in a bubble pretty much um, with an oxygen thing. Yeah, you were a bubble boy. It had, it had the ice behind me. So um, I could, you know, get pure, pure oxygen and everything. So... Um, at six years old, they told my mom, they said, you know, you can take him out and take him home. And he might make seven years old, but he has a lower, very weak immune system and he'll probably die. And you can go on and have more kids. At that point, from what my mom said, she said she gave her heart to the Lord. She said, Lord, if you, if you allow my son to live, I will serve you for all the days of my life. Mom is 89 now and she's still a Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. You know, Daddy was Pentecostal. Daddy uh, didn't get saved until 1964. We, uh, he got baptized. He was, he was hanging in the streets real hard, even though we were all born. I think how many was it then by 64, it was, um, four of us. And then, um, we had one more sister, um, in 66 that was Mm Shelly. And that's when he was called to Virginia to preach. And we came down here and then Shelly died, um, a year later. Yeah. He burned in a house, house fire. Yeah. And um, no, the religion was was the Pentecostals, and they still are. And we we still follow the um, nowadays the preachers are scared to say Pentecostals or Holy Ghost filled or anything because it, it just scares people, especially toward Halloween. And um, <laughs> so they say, you know, non-denominational and it's more tender on folks. But we were we were hardcore Pentecostalists. We grew up with, with my dad. um where we would get put out of churches in South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, Alabama. Daddy preached so hard, you know, and some people wouldn't say it would be hard. Older people would say, no, that was how it was. But, um, yeah, he, he was hellfire and brimstone, and, and they would put us out about halfway, halfway <laughs> through the service. The minister would say, well, brother, y'all got to go. <laughs> we get in the car, the old station wagon, and back up the road we come. The station thought, wagon. You know, we thought that was normal, so um, – we weren't the type of Pentecostals that play with the snakes and all. If we've seen a snake, we kill it. <laughs> but uh, you have some in some states over toward the West that, uh, yeah, their, their whole thing is, oh, yeah, no, we, can, we can play with a snake and he won't hurt us. No. You play with a snake and he will kill you. <laughs> Especially a rattler or a copperhead or something like that. So the, the station wagon you got in, was that the Chevy Biscayne or was that the Plymouth station wagon that was aquamarine? That was the old Biscayne. That was the one that we came out of Boston with. Um, when we moved from Boston down to Virginia, we had the uh, Biscayne. Yep. I uh, 
I have every single car you've ever owned written right here. Oh, get because out. I edited. Uh, well, I didn't edit. I didn't own it. That was daddy's car. Correct. And that's on the list at the top where you talked about the cars that your dad owned. Really? Yeah. Those three. Uh, the only one that was theirs that became yours was the 73 Plymouth Fury. The Fury 3. Well, that was mm-hmm. daddy's at first. And, and then, then you bought it off. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Which, but the station wagons that we had, you know, they, they were, you sit in the back and mm-hmm. you um, <laughs> face the back. You look at the people and wave. You know. So uh, anyone listening right now, if you want to hear about all the cars that my dad's owned, uh, that episode actually came out at 7.30 p.m. tonight as we're recording this. So that episode is out of all the cars that you've owned. I know the number. Uh, so if you haven't listened to it yet, you're 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 going to guess how many cars that you've owned. But I know exactly how they how many there are. We've got we've got a lot on here. I'm telling yeah. you, this is this is a whole list of cars you've owned. And I even included at the bottom the trucks you owned and the trucks that you used before you. Oh, get out. OK. Yeah. So I have I have all that written down what here. What did you have? Let me see now. Let me see. Ninety two. Well, I learned in a B61 Mac. Yep. Got that. Also, yeah. uh. The first one you ever drove was at 12. It was an international cab over. Yes, 4070. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I you also had a Ford. That you didn't have it, but there was a Ford cab over at one point as well. Yeah, that was that was dad's truck, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the first truck that you bought was the Freightliner flat top. Yeah. And then you bought a 98 Freightliner. That was the burgundy one. Yeah, that's it. That's a, uh, what they call a studio. Mm-hmm. And then you bought the uh, Western Star purple. That's right. So those are the three that you owned, and then those three previous were the ones that you rode with. See, I'm telling you, trapped, trapped up in here. Yeah, we had we had the International, we had the Volvo. Remember the gray Volvo? Mm-hmm. I bought that out of uh, Denver, Colorado. The red, um, uh, what was it? Red International. Then we had a red Freightliner that was just horrible. It showed you running 67 miles an hour, but yep. everything passed us. That's the one that John gave to you. Yeah, and I, I'm like, why is everything passing me? And then when a Snyder passed me, a friend of mine was in there. And, and I'm you had like, someone go in front of you. Up. You had someone go in front of you. Man, and he was going to run away. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm running 67. I can't pass you. He We've said, already you ain't running 67. He said, I passed you at 53. <laughs> we, we, we've got this story. Don't you worry. We got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's when I took the truck back to John. I said, look, I, I need a job, but I don't need it that bad. This, this is too stressful here trying to get up the road. It <laughs> would take us all night to go to Pittsburgh. From Florida, it would take us right, I mean, all day and all night. It was almost <laughs> as bad as when I drove car haul out of uh, Baltimore. We had a truck that would run 37 mile an hour. We call that top Negro speed. <laughs> <laughs> I was going in the tunnel in Baltimore, and the thing is 35, and this guy come up behind me, and I see him lock his brakes up, and the smoke is there, and he pulls up beside me, and he gives me the finger, get out of the road, you idiot. I'm happy. I'm making $24 an hour. <laughs> you right at five hours from Baltimore to Manassas, Virginia. I parked that raggedy thing in front of the uh, hotel, went into the Best Western, had a beautiful night's sleep. I woke up to the Indian dude that owned the hotel looking at that, thinking someone had abandoned the truck. And I walked out, put my luggage in. He said, don't bring it back no more. That thing <laughs> is leaking like crazy. I said, yeah, it's just leaking all. <laughs> and I left. Yeah, that thing would leak crazy so i got it back to baltimore and then they gave that to me to go to uh connecticut i says this truck can't do it so i left went up to piscataway new jersey got a hotel there um went on into greenwich connecticut um in greenwich i think i had a little ford product on 
because the thing smoked so bad, the interior of the truck, the pickup truck itself that was in the belly, got black. You could rub it, and you'd see black all over your hands from the soot. And there was a nice-looking lady in a BMW convertible. No, no, not convertible. She had a sunroof. Back then, BMWs, uh, the sunroofs, you could open them by hand yeah. or close them by hand. It rotated like a prop-out window or whatever. And um, so I motioned for her to get up in front of me. Well, she thought I just wanted to look at her legs. And I says, no, I said, get in front of me because the exhaust was blowing right there where it would have entered her window. Well, she gave me the finger and then she gave me a hard, you know, boom. And I'm like, oh, okay. I put the thing in third gear and pulled off. And a <laughs> black cloud of smoke came out and she's trying to shut one window and the other window. And I'm like, yeah, you'll remember next time you give somebody a finger. And she called into the company. She got the name when I went to the dealership to deliver they refused the truck, so I had to take that back to Baltimore. As a matter of fact, they ended up taking it back to uh, Norfolk, to the Ford plant at the time. And um, they called me in. They said, we have to fire you because you're ruining our reputation out there. And I said, what did I do? And they said, well, the lady called in. You smoked her out and blah, blah, blah. You know. I said, yeah, but I, I kept telling her to move ahead. I said, because that truck is ready for the junkyard. And they pulled the truck. They did the emissions on it. They said, who's driving this thing? I said, I am. I said, you keep giving it to me. It's 35 mile an hour. And um, I said, well, call her up and ask her, did she give me the finger? And they said, well, they called her and they said, man, we have the driver here. She said, oh, yeah, he's such this and such. that, putting me down. And the union rep says, OK, ask her, did she give him the finger? Ma'am, did you give him the finger? Yeah, he wanted me to get ahead. Yeah, because he was trying for to get you ahead of all the smoke. And she hung up and they <laughs> said, you can go back to work. We, we, we had some fun. Good. Yeah, I loved hauling cars. I loved hauling cars. I loved working for UPS. I did not like the stress of UPS. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I had to leave UPS. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would have lasted at that job too long. <laughs> I've been really gray by now. Probably, honestly. But they yeah. did just win. Yeah, you know? they did. Their union did just win. So they got a pretty big win. Yeah, they, they got a good win. But at what cost? You know, that they... they the unions are good, but um, and UPS is an excellent company. They know how to figure the time. When they tell you to leave at nine ten, going to Northern Virginia, they know that at nine fifteen, if you leave, you're going to be in a traffic jam. These guys got numbers for everything. They know yeah. when you got to go pee. <laughs> you know? At what cost? Getting paid properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I I didn't like that at all. So life but moved the- on. Oh, God. That whole thing is work for yourself. Be, become yeah. an entrepreneur and enjoy life. Whatever you make, you make it. You go home, you have have an enjoyable yeah. time. Yeah, be an entrepreneur. So instead of stressing nine to five, you stress 24-7. That's better. Sometimes you do. And and but there are times <laughs> when you're you're sitting back and you and you're enjoying life. Yeah. Uh-oh. You just keep your cell phone off, which I haven't <laughs> learned <to do> yet. <laughs> yep. You got to do that. Yeah. And I'm I'm learning. When we went up the mountains, I'm I'm learning. It's and that's way more going back to our first conversation. That's where your mother has been very important in my life. She helps me grow there as it's hard mm-hmm. for me to give up. I love my clients. I, I, I want to assist them in everything. And at the end of the day, do they appreciate it? Some do and some don't. I think it's the old Amway approach. You have to do SW, SW, SW. You know what that means? No. Some will, some won't. So what? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I enjoy it, Amway. Yeah, that's another. Let's go ahead and end it on that then. Some yeah. will, some won't. So what? You can put Just that on your license tag. SW, SW, SW. And people say, what is that? And it's some will, some won't. 
so what? And never, never quit. Well, I want to add an addendum to that. Quit properly. Quit what? Quit properly. There are things that you do need to quit. So I would. Yeah. Like, if yes. you're smoking a ton of cigarettes, if you're drinking a lot of liquor. Um, yeah. Or you're Learn. working a job that pays a ton, but you want to have more time to be at home. Quit the job. Be at home. Figure yeah. something else out. Oh, yeah. I remember back years, what, 81. I ran into a guy that had 18 W-2s. And he was making good money. And some of the last job he had paid the less. And I said, the least. And I said, why did you end up working for the state? He says, I enjoy it there. He says, I had other jobs that paid me well, but I enjoyed it there. I said, yep. okay, cool. Go where you're celebrated. So quit if you need to. But if you don't need to quit, don't quit. That's right. Well, this has been fun. It has been. We'll have more uh, numbers to go through next time. Okay. And I'm going to finish everybody. the other one. Yeah, you have to listen to the other one. It came out at 730. Uh, I'll send yeah. you the link. Okay, um, please. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, yeah. My name's Nate. Who are you? I'm OC. Have a good night. And that's the way it is. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> How did Chet and David Brinkley do it? Good night, Chet. Good night, David. Or you had Walter Cronkite. He said, that's the way it is. Tuesday, the 3rd of October, 2023. Good night, America. I love that show. Walter was like everybody's granddad. <laughs> we can do that every day. Uh. Okay. We'll see you. <laughs> see ya. Love you, Nate. Okay. Love you, Dad.